Our world is full of confusion and perversion when it comes to the subject of love. If you want to understand true love, you must come to know the God who is love. Join Scott Pauley now as we dig into 1 Corinthians 13 and seek to go deeper into the love of God. First Corinthians chapter 13 is on plaques. It's on beautiful things that are produced. It is quoted by people. Folks talk about its poetic value, how, how wonderfully it flows. But let me just tell you, 1 Corinthians 13 is one of the most convicting portions of Scripture in all the Word of God. When you really let it dig deeply into you, it is a sharp two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It's a discerner of your thoughts and intents of your heart. 1 Corinthians 13 is not only a window on the love of God, it's a mirror on you. It reveals to us how wonderful our God is and how terribly short we fall of the love of God so many days. In fact, I challenge you to do something. Take 1 Corinthians 13. Don't read it. Don't just study it. Pray your way through it. Turn every verse to prayer. Talk to God about what God is talking about in 1 Corinthians 13. Ask the Lord, if you dare, ask the Lord, Lord, is this true of me? Oh God, is, is the love of God doing this in my life? Am I allowing you to have your rightful place in my life? Uh, the last time we studied, we walked through this list of 15 things that are true of charity or the love of God. I really believe it's a spiritual checklist. And I would challenge you to use it that way in your own life. We've discovered that the love of God is a more excellent way first because of its necessity in verses 1 through 3, then because of its sufficiency in verses 4 through 7. But now we come to the end of the chapter. Verses 8 through 13 tell us it is the greatest thing in the world and more excellent because of its eternality. It's the only thing that will last forever. The Bible says beginning in verse 8, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Do you hear the two specific periods of time? There's now and there's then. In fact, in life, that's the only times that really matter. Now and then. You can't do anything about yesterday. There's now. That's the present tense. And then is the day when we're with the Lord face to face. Now is where you have to live, and then is where we're headed to. But now watch, there's one thing that connects now and then. The one thing you can experience and know and enter into and live in now, that you will live in then for all eternity, is this, the love of God. Faith will end. It will become sight. Hope will end. It will become reality. The Bible talks about other temporary things like prophecies and tongues and knowledge, those early sign gifts in the New Testament church. They had their time. They had their period. They came and they ended. 
But the love of God goes on and on and on because love is not a thing. It is God Himself. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, God is love. We're told in Scripture that He loves us with an everlasting love. Our God is eternal. He had no beginning. He has no end. And because He is eternal and He is love, He loves us with an everlasting love, with perfect love. There was never a day He started loving you. He's always loved you. There'll never be a day, no matter what, that He stops loving you. He will love you forever. He could never love you anymore, and He will never love you any less. His love is perfect love. It is not just what He does. It's who He is. Let me take you to an Old Testament scripture to prove that for just a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 7, God deals with love for the nation of Israel, for His chosen people. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy 7, 7, The Lord did not set His love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because He would keep the oath which He had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt. Listen to it again. He said, I didn't love you, and I didn't choose you because you were worthy of it, because you deserved it. You don't merit the love of God. It is mercy. It is grace. It is unconditional love. He said to Israel, I didn't love you because you were a large nation. You were the smallest of the nations. He says in verse 8, but because the Lord loved you. In other words, he's saying this, I just love you because. I love you because I can't help myself. It's who I am. I love you because. I want you to know that God doesn't love you today because you deserve it. He just loves you because. And He didn't stop loving you because of that thing that you did. The accuser of the brethren wants to use that like a club and beat you over the head the rest of your life. But God says to you through the darkness, I still love you. As long as God is, love is. And we're going to live forever in the love of God and the love of God is going to live forever in us. Now, if that's true, let's make a very practical application for a moment. Why should it be foreign to us now? Think about this. 1 Corinthians 13, this description of the love of God is found in the wider context of relationships. It's in a relationship passage. It's talking about the use of spiritual gifts in the church. It's talking about being a member of the body. It's talking about how you treat one another. Look, the love of God is not some pie-in-the-sky theory. It is to be practical reality where we are. The love of God is not some feeling or mere tingle up the spine and sensation you get. Rather, it is the application of who God is to every relationship and to every responsibility in your life. Get acquainted with God. Get acquainted with the love of God. Now, the secret is not in our gifts. That's what the previous chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, is all about. It rather is in our God. The God of perfect love lives inside of us. Now, don't just make an observation. Make an application. We're not studying 1 Corinthians 13 to know more about what love is. We're studying 1 Corinthians 13 to say, all right, Lord, is this true in me? So I come full circle back to where I started. Would you take 1 Corinthians 13 and let it search your heart? Would you let God show you anything in you that does not line up with His perfect love? And the way you treat one another, and the way you think in your motives, in every area of your life, let God search your heart. D.O. Moody, who was a powerfully used evangelist, stood one night and said to a group of people these words, The only way any church can get a blessing 
is to lay aside all difference, all criticism, all coldness and party feeling, and come to the Lord as one man. And when the church lives in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, I am sure that many will be added daily to the flock of God. I would like to have the church read that chapter together on their knees. And as you do so, pray God to apply it in power. My heart goes out to you and I long to see you all coming constantly to God for a fresh supply of love. Did you hear what he just said? If you want the blessing, you got to live in 1 Corinthians 13. you got to live in the spirit of love. And that's true in a church. That's true in a family. That's true in our lives. So I want to challenge you today to get on your knees with 1 Corinthians 13 and pray your way again through this chapter. Ask the Lord to speak to you. Ask the Lord God to apply it in power to your life. My prayer for you is the same as Moody's prayer for those he ministered to. I'm praying you'll come to God today for a fresh supply of love. There's more than enough there. It's eternal. It never fails. It never ends. It's the greatest of these. We would like to encourage you to spend some time meditating on 1 Corinthians 13. We all have much to learn and to apply when it comes to the love of God. Visit us at scottpauley.org to download your free copy of Henry Drummond's book, The Greatest Thing in the World. You'll also find many other helpful resources. We look forward to having you with us the next time on Enjoying the Journey.